0: This morning's reading is from John, and it's from chapter 1. So if you want to turn to the Pew Bibles, it's page 1063, the very beginning of John. So page 1063 in the Pew Bibles. I'll wait for you because it's really short. (laughs) So the word became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Amen. Hello, there we are. So welcome. My name is David. I'm the pastor of the church. And Welcome. So, because we're in uh, the season of politics as well as the season of the Advent season, I'm, I'm going to tell a wee story. Oh, my duffer, thank you. Um, I think may, maybe you've heard it before. So, George W. Bush was uh, President of the United States, and he was visiting, as presidents like to do, an old folks' home. So he was speaking and shaking hands in the press pack and his entourage were with him and he was looking good and he was sounding good and he was full of confidence and he just smelt brilliant as well. And he was walking down the corridor and as an old veteran who is with a zimmer, eh, slowly but surely coming up the corridor towards George W. Bush and his great big entourage and the TV cameras and the press. And the, the president went up to the old veteran who had stopped at this moment, gave him his hand, shook his hand, and George W. Bush said to the, the veteran, in his best Scottish accent, hello sir, do you know who I am? To which the veteran replied, son, I don't have a clue, but if you have a word with the nice nurse, maybe she can help you. (laughs) Sorry, Jeff. Sorry, Joel. There's nothing about George W. Anywho, knowing, knowing, we're, we're kind of a, in, we're we're doing this series on the incarnation. Three weeks looking at the incarnation. Carnish, carnal, how Jesus, as J.P. Phillips says, squeezed into our skin, and how I often like to think Jesus, like many of us, have, has ducked under his fingernails. So last week, Ken touched on humanity of Jesus, and because of that, God understands us. He came as a man, fully man, and so he knows how you feel. He knows what it means to feel and to think and to process and to be in relationships and all of that. And this week, we are looking at not only does God know about us and know how we feel, but we can know Him because of the Word made flesh. And so we're going to just touch on a lot of quite weighty stuff this morning. Big theology and hopefully we'll get through it quickly. I've put it on slides today simply because uh, I'll get lost if I don't have slides. And we're going to look at that. God is understandable to us because in Jesus, we see Him. We know Him. He is physical and visible. And with that thought, let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, our Redeemer, our Rock, our King, our Savior, Sustainer of all life in the great I Am. In your precious name, Jesus, we ask, Father, for your glory and by your Spirit. Amen. So let me just do this quickly, see what I've got up there. I can't remember. Oh, oh, I don't want that. Ah, well, just keep it up there. That's fine. I'll come to that in a minute. So, Elaine read three verses. I remember at Bible college, when I was doing my my degree many years ago, um, writing something like 3,000 words on, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. And uh, I didn't drag it out, so this is not based on that exegesis 25 years ago or 20 years ago, whatever, Um, but I can remember. It's written by John, this book, as we know. John, one of the apostles who it took him three years to figure out Jesus. Three long years. But John at the beginning of his gospel wants to get across something quite profound about Jesus. Not in three years, but in three verses. He doesn't want to waste time. He jumps in there right away. And at the very beginning he says, in the beginning was the word. And so I'll go back to that. What is a word? Well, it can be written on a page. It can be spoken audibly. It can be the pixels on a screen. It can be sign language. It can be Braille. Can you see that? I can't see it so well up there. But it can be Braille. It can be Morse code. You know, what is it again? As an old sailor knows that's SOS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it can be the sound of, of a set of words. It can be the entire passage. It can be all, it can be the, the sentiment that is behind a story. Words are used all the time. And a word is made because of these chemical reactions and the electrical signals that are in our brain. All the complexity of this incredible thing that allows us through speech or through gesture, well, through speech, but obviously up there, there are other ways that words can be used where we can express ourselves to others to be made known. Words are quite powerful. Uh, What is it? What is it about the pen and the sword? What is that phrase? yeah you know it can it can change whole nations, ruin relationships, start a marriage and end a marriage in law. Word's a powerful, powerful thing, and God's word is similar. but you know we can't begin um, to understand God. Jesus says, What does he say later on? No one has in verse eighteen he says, No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only who is at the father's side or bosom. He is the one who has made him known. To understand God seems out there, and and actually John alludes to that, but as you can see in the whole of John's gospel, his desire is to make Jesus known for a very specific purpose. And I'm pretty sure it's a way back At the end of of John chapter 20, you know what he talks about? Here's why I'm writing all these things. Anybody got that? It just came to me. I intended today not to digress, but I've started already. (laughs) Anyway, he says something like, I write all these words so that you may know that Jesus is the Son of God who saves. That's why he's written right at the beginning. That's why over three years he got to know Jesus and the penny dropped. He's starting with three sentences. This is so important for you to understand who this man Jesus is. That he is more than that. He actually says in verse 14 there, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So, have this in mind as we are going to look at these three verses. John wants this before us, in our minds, right at the beginning of his account. That the eternal, majestic... That the deity creator rights of Jesus Christ lie before us. This is who John is looking to show us, to communicate. Because he says right at the beginning, for the word of God is Jesus Christ. So why did John choose... I did put all that in there, very good. Did you flick that, Ian? Well done. (laughs) So why did uh, John Chi choose the word? Let me just see if I've got all this up here. Yeah. I'm going to stop using these because I just get distracted. I think, what have I put up there? And what have I got in my notes? And what's in my heart? And what do I think God's saying? So see, I'm going to, I'm going to every now and then just put a page up. And if it corresponds to what I'm saying, great. If it doesn't, I've put a lot of hard work into those notes up there. <laughs> so just go with the flow. But may God speak to our hearts. Jesus, um, as far as John is concerned, is the Word because of a couple of things. Because of the words of Jesus as the truth of God, but also the person of Jesus as the truth of God. Jesus Christ Himself and His coming and in His working and His teaching and in His dying and in His being rose to life again by the power of the Holy Spirit. All of this is a final, complete, and ultimate communication from God the Father to us. And I love how Hebrews says it. In the past, God has spoken to our forefathers at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, we are in the last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom the whole universe was made. The writer of Hebrews is in agreement with John and his whole gospel and what he is trying to communicate in the first Three verses. The sun is the represent is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins, and someone prayed, Thank you, Father, for giving us our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So that he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. This is who John is communicating. Put simply, he is saying who Jesus was and what Jesus did. This makes him the son of God, the word where all life was created by and sustained. Not just what Jesus said, because many people have said, do what I command, don't always follow me, I'm flawed, but Jesus never said that. We see that in Mark's gospel right away. Mark's on a rush. He's in a rush in his gospel. And right at the beginning, Jesus comes and says, repent, for the kingdom of God is here. Follow me. And John is basically saying what God had to say was not just mainly what Jesus said and then did, but completely and wholly. If you want to know, and I don't know anyone who has not got those questions of where am I? where did I come from and where, where am I going? What am I here to do? I, I, I don't know anyone who doesn't engage with those questions and ultimately That leads us to the hope of knowing someone bigger than ourselves. John is saying you cannot go any further than Jesus. Jesus himself said about himself, and I put all the references up there, the seven I am sayings in John's gospel. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. All this was revealed by his incarnation. And I wish we had the baby crib here as we often have. Even in the crib. And the vulnerability, and in the mess, and in the noise, and in the hopes and dreams of a, a little baby child. All of that fullness there dwelt. Jesus, the Word of God. And I love how John, who penned the Revelation as well, goes back to this theme of Jesus, the fullness of God, the completeness of God, describes the return. When he will come to judge the living and the dead, John, the same apostle, wrote these words, and I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. Crown him with many crowns. He has a, man, a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe, dripped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. And it goes on further to describe this apocalyptic um, quite in the same vein as the the, the prophet Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, of seeing something quite extraordinary. No mere man, but fully God and fully man. God understands us and we can understand God because of the Word who's came and dwelled with us. So here in John 1, John has a view in all the revelation and all the truth and all the witness and all the glory and all the light and all the words that come out of Jesus and all of his living and all of his teaching and all of his dying and all of his rising. Because who Jesus was and what he did, this was where the fullness of God rested. He is the reliable word. So with that, I'm quickly, and I promise you, quickly going to share four things. From these three words, now that we understand, from these three verses, now that I've shared with you, as I, in my own mind, go through a summary, words are important. It helps us to communicate. It's the same with the Lord. He's created all of this, and He desires to communicate with us. Yes, God will speak to us through revelation, through other people, through dreams and visions. But we know that God speaks to us primarily through His Word as the Spirit inspires. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things and through whom the whole of creation was made. So here we go. Four things about the word. Simple thing right at the beginning, his age. John says at the beginning, in the beginning was the word. What we have here is the, the phrase that he used is identical to the phrase in Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In other words, this was no accident. John is specifically uh, um, using the beginning of his gospel in the same way as uh, the, the writer, possibly Moses, wrote Genesis. In the beginning. And in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And First John wants to reveal to us this. That Jesus created the universe. He says that in verse 3. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So John locates Jesus right there at the beginning. We we think of it scientifically as the theory of the Big Bang, but what before? <sighs> the word created, the word spoke, and things came into being. And Jude agrees with John and the rest of the New Testament in this wonderful doxology that you have in Jude to the one. To the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. So before time and matter, Jesus. Before time and matter, you had Father, Son and Holy Spirit in the happy land of the Trinity. But that's for a whole different sermon series. Second thing. His identity, John doesn't want that to be a guesswork either. He says, and the Word was God. Right at the beginning, identity, the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us, Jesus Christ, was and is God. In John 10, you have a great little incident where it's winter and it's the festival of dedication, if memory serves me right. And Jesus is walking in, If I got out there? Yeah, Jesus is walking in uh, Solomon's colonnade in the temple. And the, his opponents came to him and say these words. I'm going to read it because I can't remember it word by word. Jesus' opponents come to him and they ask him this question from 25 onwards in John 10. The Jews gathered round him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense and guessing? We want to know. If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered him, I tell you, I would tell you, I did tell you, sorry, but you did not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak of me, but you did not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. And again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many miracles from my father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus here, in his deliberation, in his argument, in his debate with his opponents, quite clearly identifies himself as God. He puts himself in the same plane as God, and for that reason, and I think it goes on to say from this moment onwards to look for ways to kill Jesus. Maybe it says it in a different gospel. But they desire to stone him not for any of the teaching or the miracles, but purely for what Jesus claimed. Because Jesus knew who he was. And let me tell you this. In this church family, warts and all, no one's perfect. But we confess that Jesus Christ is our we 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 can we agree with Thomas, the great doubting Thomas, who got on his knees and he says, My Lord and my God. In this church, we confess Jesus is our God. We're not ashamed of it. Jesus is God, and we agree with Thomas. This is who Jesus is, his identity, our Saviour, our Lord, our God, because the Word was God. And what is his relationship to God? Well, it says there in verse 2, he was with God in the beginning. And this is the heart of the Trinity, and I'm going to touch on it in a bit of two sentences. And it is this Jesus was with God, and he was God. He is God. And he has a relationship with God. He is God and he is the image of God. Perfectly reflecting all that God is. And standing forth from all eternity. As the fullness of deity and a distinct person. There is, three, there is one divine essence in three persons. Two of them are, are mentioned here. God being the Father, the Word being the Son, and later on John introduces uh, the Holy Spirit. And what I would say is here, we're going to move on from this. Oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. It's my fault. (laughs) She didn't get the Trinity. Because there's mystery. (laughs) There is mystery, and it's okay to have mystery. And I'm tempted to come back to the wee series in the Trinity. It's wonderful. But here you have John just touching on it. He's in a rush, as it were, not three years, but three verses. And in this third part of these three verses, he says, "His relationship to God is this: He was with God in the beginning. Let's try not to box God up, to make God in our image. There is much to know, to learn and to discover. Until his salvation is complete in our life. And maybe there will come a day when we will step from this reality. Into life in all of its fullness fully. Into life after life after death. And it won't be such. Maybe we won't be um, surprised at what Jesus looks like. Because we've journeyed so far with him in this point that we know him. We kind of know what he looks like. And we know what his reaction will be like because he's our friend and by his spirit he's dwelt with us. The paraclete has journeyed with us because he is with the Father at this moment. Anyway, digressing. And the last bit. Four things about the Word, And it's his relationship with us. Verses 2 to 3. So he was with God in the beginning. And through him, all things were made. Without him, without the word, without Jesus, nothing was made that has been made. The word who became flesh and the word who dwelt among us taught, has brought healing and rebuked us and protected and loved. And died and rose again for us, that's the same word that created the universe. The word who was with God and who was God in the beginning was the same word by which all things were made. Yep, God was working through the word who is God. So Jesus, the creator, was the Father's agent, was the word. And the creation of all things. God, the word, created the, the universe and everything in it, and our Savior, our Lord, and our friend is that same word, Jesus. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. And there's always been an objection to this. It's called Arianism, and it's as old as the hills. It's actually a fourth century, controversy in the church our form of Arianism today is uh, Muslims Uh, they they have a, a, a very clear view of Jesus that fits with Arianism and Jehovah Witnesses and we may come across the Jehovah Witnesses more in their arguments they would say something like this Jesus was not God Jesus was not eternal Jesus, eh, not eternally begotten, but rather they would say Jesus was created. He was the first in creation. He was the highest of the high angels or prophets or whatever. That's what they would say. And that is Arianism. And like I say, it's a historical battle that the church has actually fought and won. And we need to learn from that. I'm going to give you a wee quick history lesson. Very quick. Arius was a pastor. A pastor of many churches. A man who loved Jesus. Athanasius was a, a compatriot. He was another pastor. And Arius and, and no doubt other church uh, pastors as they were looking at the Word, and they were trying to figure out who Jesus was, what was the fullness of Him, and they, and they eventually come up with this from how they read Scripture, and how their culture was influencing them as well. If the Father begat the Son, then He who was begotten had a beginning in existence, and from this it follows there was a time when the Son was not and actually put into song format because, you know, if you want people to learn something, you put a wee tune behind it, it goes in there and people sing it. And before you know it, they believe it. And, and so the church was being influenced in the fourth century with this idea that Jesus, yes, was a fully man, but he was not fully God. There came a point when God the Father created him. And Athanasius was like, you're not having that. And he actually got exiled many times by the bishops. And even when he became bishop, he was exiled over this. This was a real um, battle within the church and Christendom as it was then. And Athanasius took that and basically said this. To those who maintain there was a time when the sun was not. Rob God of his word like plunders. Because he's seen that if eh, only one who was fully human could atone for human sins, and only one who was fully divine could have the power to save us. No one can pull up their socks and make themselves acceptable to the Lord. There is many things that we cannot do. Like the young apprentice who is standing at the Niagara Fall with his journeyman. And the journeyman to teach this young apprentice a lesson in life says to his apprentice, right, looking at the Niagara Falls, what are you going to do about this? And the young plumber says, give me a moment, I'll think about it and I'll get right on to it. As if he could hold back the falls at Niagara. The Niagara Falls, impossible. We cannot pull up ourselves by our bootstraps or pull our socks up. It's impossible to fully, um, the one who was fully human could atone for human sins. And only the one who was fully divine could have the power to save us. And Athanasius eventually won the fight. And the church at Nicaea and other uh, councils recognized uh, and put into credo form to teach the church. Of who Jesus is. The Word who was with God. And the Word who was God at the beginning. Take it like this. John didn't end. So cast your eyes as I finish here. Cast your eyes in in verse 3. John didn't end it like this. Through him all things were made. He didn't stop there. Because at that point we could conceivably say. Yep. Yep. But all things does not include Jesus himself. It includes everything but himself. So we could then go on to say he was created by the Father. And then with the Father, he created all things. But John didn't stop at that point. Through him all things were made. He went on to then say, and without him, without the word, without Jesus, nothing was made made. That has been made. John tells us explicitly. Emphatically. That everything that has been made. Jesus made. Everything. Before anything was made. Jesus existed. With the Father and the Spirit. And the happy land of the Trinity. Content. For all ages. If there was such a thing. And then out of their wonderful generosity, not because there was a need in them, they didn't need to be loved, they didn't need to be recognized, but out of their generosity, they created. And they allowed us to be ourselves. The end. But I'd like to finish with some wee thoughts. Thank you for staying with me, but it's important. Jehovah Witnesses come to our door quite often. They know their scriptures. And their scriptures have got quite significant changes in them. But they are without hope. I know where I am going. I know my saviour. I know the thing that he's begun, he will complete. I know Jesus, who knows how I feel because he's been there, yet was without sin. And know that as scripture testifies time and time again that he paid the full sacrifice and sat down at the place of glory with his enemies as a footstool, and when the Father decides he will come to judge the living and the dead. And this kingdom of God that we speak about, that we see little bits here and there in our relationships we will experience that in all of its fullness as was intended with the Father and with the Son and with the Spirit. So let us be confident in who we worship. We have the cross before us as a reminder that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Because it is finished, it is enough, and Jesus is enough. Fully God, fully man. And next week we're going to go into one more aspect of it as we explore this thing about the incarnation of how Jesus squeezed into our skin. Shall we pray? Let's be silent. Let's be silent. Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last. The beginning and the end. Lord, may you open our minds. May we be able to mine the depths of your word. Hold on to some of that truth. May it shape our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit that we may become like you, heirs and co-heirs, a royal priesthood. May we understand you more, become more intelligent. May we experience you, Father, in the depth of our soul by your Spirit. So that when we are asked to give an account of who Jesus is, we are confident. Because we know, because we know, because we know. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.